Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an NQT, with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our experiences, both good and bad, of life as a new teacher. Today, I'm talking to Lucy Williams, who has just completed the first term of her teacher training. Now, as you know, I usually talk to teachers who have already completed their training, from those who have just started being a full-time teacher, right through to the ones who qualified in the distant past, like me. But I recently spoke to Lucy about her current teaching practice, and I was so impressed by her reflections on being a teacher that I've invited her on the podcast today. Lucy has worked with children for the last 18 years, so she definitely started young. She studied child development at GCSE, then completed a diploma at college before gaining a first-class honours degree at university. So she sure knows a lot about child development. And now she's putting all of that study into practice and has completed one term of her PGCE. Lucy, welcome. I'm delighted to be speaking to you today. Oh, good morning, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. So let's start with a bit of background. What inspired you to become a teacher? Well, Jeremy, it's a little bit of a mix between personal life experiences and education. In primary school, I had a fabulous male teacher. Who are, the men, are, the, are the men always the best? I shouldn't oh, say that, course, should I? Of course, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he's absolutely fabulous. He was a, a male teacher who really tuned into his students' needs and pupils' learning. But unfortunately, when I was in primary school, I was seven years old. I lost my fa- father, oh, no. and this was a really yeah, it was a really challenging experience to go through as a as a child. However, this teacher was so tuned into me, and whatever way I'd walk in that door, he would know that oh, she needs a little bit of time with me, or he might pull me out of assemblies and we'd have a five minute chat. But that five minute chat made such an impact on me. I've heard that before from teachers actually who've who've worked with children who've lost a parent, and they all say the same thing: don't follow any particular criteria. Just work with the child. What the child needs is what you provide, and that's the way to help them the most. And and clearly that's what you found. It is. And do you know what, Jeremy? It works because I felt valued. I felt loved. I felt like I could face the day when obviously things were a little bit tougher at home. So Mm. that, for me, left a huge uh, memory. And if I can be that sort of teacher, be that welcoming, loving, valuing adult, to the child, then I would love to be able to put that into the education system. Um, Another experience as well. So when I was at university, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Right. But you got a first class honours. It hasn't held you back. Oh, it had to do. I had to work very hard. (laughs) Uh, Nothing's achieved without hard work, though, is it? That's right. So I've had to learn lots of different strategies. And I say that I have a lot of tools in my toolbox that I carry with me everywhere. So with the dyslexia side of things, I've learned different strategies to cope in educational situations. And I would like to sort of implement that onto the younger generation. And just to give them that that aspect that anything that you can do in life is achievable, no matter what learning needs you've got. So I'd like to to mirror that onto the children within the classroom. Yeah, that's so so important, isn't it? Because... Everyone has a difficulty in one way or another. And what you say is so true. What we have to do is try and provide for every child to give each one what they need. (coughs) Sorry, Jeremy, I was just going to say lastly as well, unfortunately, the last um, 
I say the last couple of years, I had a traumatic experience in my life that was uh, very challenging. During that experience, I had to be strong. I had to have resilience. I had to have that fight and wake up the next day and continue the day that I would that I had planned. So from that experience that was very negative, I pulled out a positive and I feel like I can now achieve anything when I put my mind to it and I have that resilience. And being a teacher, when I was younger, it was like, oh my goodness, I can't do that. I've got dyslexia, I can't manage all of that. And it's taking that step at a time and just that message really that you can do anything that you want to do. Everyone has their own personal learning journeys, don't they? And that's what makes you the person you are today. Yeah, absolutely. And and each child is going to have a unique journey, aren't they? And and that's what we want. We want them to uh, to celebrate their uniqueness and to take their path through school and through life in the way they want it to go. That makes it as good as it possibly can for them. So let, let's go on. You started working with children 18 years ago. You've clearly got a lot of experience with them. So what did you do before you started your training? So before I started my training, um, I was working as a childminder, looking after children. But then once I completed my university course, I was a SINCO in a nursery. Um, And it was fantastic. It was from children that were two, sorry, six months to three years. And it was a, a wonderful starting point. Got to work closely with parents um with managers and sort of directing other team members within the setting it was a wonderful learning experience at a very young age yeah brilliant and and very challenging I should think because being a Senko is no easy job is it yeah at times it was but I had a great support system around me my my line manager um provided great support for me yeah brilliant and, and what else have you done so after that Jeremy I then went to a hospital and I worked on a children's ward as a play worker I did it was a fantastic job um it gave me fantastic experience I worked with children from newborns up to the age of 18 years old and it was very varied some days I could be working with the oncology children then some days I might be prepping a child to go to theatre because they might have broken a bone um Some situations weren't as nice. I might be dealing with social services and having multidisciplinary uh, agency meetings. I sort of created different work work situations where I would put um, every child that had cancer, unfortunately, obviously was very challenging, but they were regular visits to the hospital. So I thought to myself, how can I make these horrible, nasty appointments into something a little bit more positive and child-friendly? So I created a topic where they had a teddy bear that they each brought home. And with permission from parents, I would then get the photographs of the teddies um, that they had maybe brought out for the day or they might have played with indoors and would display the pictures of the child and the teddy bear on the wall. And they would then come into the come into hospital, have their chemo, bloods, whatever was needed at the time. But we'd have something to talk about rather than sort of how are you feeling today or it's okay, or rather than sort of talking about the anxiety, it was a nice element to discuss, a fun manner, something that they could then have a memory and have a topic to talk about. Um, And they'd often bring the teddy with them to chemo. And that was lovely because you could see the whole dynamics change from a negative to a positive and it didn't feel like a hospital as such to them. It was like, oh, we're going to see, going to see the nurse, going to see uh, Lucy, and it was it was more of an enjoyable experience for the children. Um, 
I value every single experience I had in a hospital during me, and I could probably talk about this probably for a very, very long time. I think you yeah. could. I can I can hear that, and I can I can hear the enthusiasm you had for doing the job, and crikey, that must have made a big difference to the children, but also the pride in, in taking away some of that fear from children, which is an astonishing thing for any person to go through, isn't it, Yet, let alone a young child to go through cancer treatment. Crikey, it was wonderful. That's so tough. But it was wonderful. And I think as well, if I can take something so small from that, it's making you realise, actually, do you know what? Life is good and you've got to be grateful for every moment that, that you have. That's definitely true, isn't it? You have to, in the toughest of days, you have to find something good. How you true is that, though? You can't really affect, true, isn't it? Yeah, you can't affect lots of the things that happen around you. They happen to you. What you can affect is is how you feel about things and how you react to things and your own internal state, and you and you can work really hard, can't you, to uh, to make that inner self as positive as it can be, and that is hard work, but it's well worth the work too. It is hard work, Jeremy, but whatever energy you give off, people are going to receive and they're going to mirror back to you. So that's something that I always keep in mind as well. And I've got to mention, Jeremy, that after being a play worker in a special needs school for 18 months as a specialist nursery nurse, it had such an impact on me. I worked alongside the school nurse who was also my line manager. We had wonderful working relationships. She was an absolutely tremendous positive role model to our team. She's now retired, but she inspired me in so many ways. She was highly intelligent in her field and taught me a lot. And um, I suppose really to sum this up, that it was a massive learning curve for me because all of these relationships have persuaded me to become a teacher. So how's the training going? Were you apprehensive oh, Jeremy, do you know at what? all at the start? Oh, yes, I did. I have lots of questions in my head. Um, I'm a hockey player um, and I do training and I play a game on a Saturday and I also work on a Sunday. Oh, crikey, that's a pretty <clears> hectic <throat> timetable then. It is. So my, I was very apprehensive as, can I manage? Am I going to fit it in? Am I going to make time for my family? Is it? Am I going to have that correct balance between the workload and personal life? And it is challenging. It's, even to this day, Jeremy, I'm going to still be pushing through. And I explain it that my foot is on the accelerator and it's not coming off. My foot <laughs> is not coming off until July. <laughs> yeah, good, um, great way of describing it. In fact, when you're a teacher... You. Your foot's always on the accelerator, actually. Uh, I was talking to my mum. My mum's 90 now, and uh, she's been wow. staying with me for a couple of weeks, you know, for a bit of a bit of nurturing, bit of pampering, because she still lives on her own. And uh, we were we were talking over dinner the other night, and uh, and she said to me, she said, because you retired from head teaching quite young, didn't you, darling? I was 55 when I stopped being a head teacher. I said, yeah, mum, but <laughs> I was worn out. I've I've been flat out for 30 years and and I've got massive respect for teachers because the, the job is so tough and so challenging and uh and and I love still working in education but I must admit by 55 I thought um, do I want to be a head teacher for another 10 years and I thought I don't think I do actually I'm quite weary now because but Jeremy, what an achievement that you made there. There's a many, many, many years that you as a head teacher. So I think you should be proud of yourself for that one. Oh, no, I'm, de I'm definitely, you have to be proud, don't you? Not arrogant you about it, but just proud saying I achieved a lot. I did a lot of good things for a lot of people. And uh, and, and that's a good feeling. And, and that's 
back to what you were saying, that's how you generate that positivity, isn't it, in yourself. By imposter syndrome is a, is a big thing teachers talk about a lot, and I had it till the last day of me being a head teacher. Am I am I good enough? And whenever I had that thought, I thought back to a success, and I thought, well, don't forget you sorted that problem out, and that looked like it couldn't be sorted, and you did that, and these children still contact you, and these people still tell you what an impact you made on their careers or on their school life, and and you have to keep topping yourself up don't you with the good experiences you do that's that's a coping strategy as well isn't it jeremy totally totally and, <laughs> and an essential one so so tell us what's the, been the most enjoyable bit of the training it's got to be the time in the classroom jeremy the interaction that i get with the children the, the natural general smiles that you bring to the children's faces and watching them progress finding a child might struggle in a particular area and you put that input and then you see them succeed. No money, no job, nothing can bring that feeling to you. And I'm actually so grateful that I can be a part of very early stages of their education. So yeah, I think I think it's important to be grateful. I used to say to my teachers who were a bit down sometimes, you know, the first day after Christmas back in school. And I used to go in and say, wow, great to see you. We've got so many exciting things planned for this term. I hope you're really looking forward to the term. And, and I had a teacher once went, oh, yeah. And I said, are you serious? He said, are you? I said, of course I am. I said, we're privileged to be here. We choose to be in this school. We choose to work with these children. They have to come. They have no choice. So, uh, so the least we can do for them is to be very positive about being their teacher and respect the fact that they have to be in our class and we can do the very best for them. And I think that's a really important stance to take every day. Yes, I agree. So what about, has, has it been, what's been the most challenging thing in the training? Oh, I would say balancing personal life with studying. I study every single night, but a Sunday when I'm working and finding the time for my partner, for my family. I'm very lucky. I've got a great support system around me. My partner's incredible and I couldn't do it without him, but it's having that time for myself. And then I have to learn quite quickly that actually tonight, I need a break. Um, mm. I'm not scared of hard work, Jeremy, but this course is on another level. I'm grateful that Essex Skit have provided me with this opportunity, but the intensity of the work is on another level. <laughs> yeah, a good preparation to be a teacher because, because when you become a teacher, you genuinely realise what hard work is. It's just mentally so hard because you spend the whole day analysing and micro-analysing everything the children do and everything you say and has it had the impact I want and that that's the thing that makes it so tiring well I was a computer programmer in a previous life and uh well I had downtimes all through the day where I could have a chat to someone or get a cup of tea but when you're in the classroom it's just full on isn't it you don't get any time just to process your own thoughts it's endlessly looking out for the needs of others and that's really tiring And I think it's stemming back as well, Jeremy, to what you were just saying, making sure that you have got that flip card where you can go, do you know what, I've done this and this works. So when you have them challenging moments, just have a little reflection and do you know what, this is tough. However, look what's happened so far. I've had lovely feedback from parents. They grab me on the door and they just say, thank goodness you're here. You make my morning so much easier. Like They're the times that you've got to remember when you have challenging moments and that's what I really try to focus on. 
Always, always. And remember that because for every parent who actually isn't very appreciative of what you've done, and there's one in every class you'll teach, there'll be 29 who love you. Because they, that's true. That's 100% true. As I say, there are some, and, and, you know, I always felt sorry for the parents who were quite difficult because clearly they were carrying their own personal baggage around. And, and it wasn't personal to me that they were unhappy. It was the fact that actually their lives were quite difficult and, and their unhappiness came out directed at me because it has to come out somewhere. And, and the teacher is quite an easy target sometimes. And I learned that in my second year of teaching. I had a parent rant at me, rant, because her son had run away from home. And I was just shocked for the first five minutes because she just went on and on and on. And then after 10 minutes, I said to her, I said, I'm, I can see you're so upset and I'm really sorry about that. I just can't see what it's got to do with me. And she said, uh, no, I'm so sorry. She said, I just had to come and rant somewhere and I didn't know where. So I came and saw <laughs> you. I said, do you want oh. a cup of tea? And she said, that'd be really nice. I said, next time you're upset, don't come in and yell at me, whether it's my fault or not. Just come in, we'll have a cup of tea and we'll sort it out. And, and that taught me such a valuable lesson because I started off with her ranting, thinking I've done something terrible. I've done something awful. And as she went on and on, I realized it was nothing to do with me at all. And she was just Aww. she was just very unhappy about what had happened, and and I copped it. When we chatted before Christmas, you told me uh, about a really valuable learning experience you'd had in class. What was that? I did, Jeremy. So basically, I had a lesson, and we got warned at the start that you're not going to all have fantastic lessons. But this particular day, I experienced a lesson that I wasn't happy with. I was bright red. I was very hot. And my wonderful mentor, Rianne Fish, said to me, are you okay, Lucy? And I said, no, that was terrible. And um, basically what happened, Jeremy, is at the beginning of the maths lesson, I was allowing the children to shout out. But towards the end, I started to sort of think, oh, no, why are they all shouting out? This isn't working. And I I highlighted what was happening during that, that lesson. And I reflected, I often reflect on my journey home. What have I done well? What can I do better? Where can I improve? And I thought in this moment, the problem was me as the teacher. And I, from that day, I learned that even if I'm a teacher trainee, I'm the leader in that moment. I need to set the examples. I need to role model and I need to set the behavior. And that's something that I didn't do on that particular lesson. And I reflected and I thought, I'm stopping the learning here because all the calling out, I couldn't assess who was learning. I couldn't see who was answering. I couldn't see who needed extra help. Um, it was just, for me, it was a disaster. My lovely mentor, she said to me, that wasn't as bad as what you thought it was, but for <laughs> me, I knew I could do better. So I, I had a good conversation with myself that evening, what I needed to do and what I needed to put in place. So the next morning I went into my mentor and I said to her, look, Rianne, yesterday was a disaster. I know why it went bad. Can I have a chat with the children and just highlight the problem? And she said, of course you can. And we had a good conversation, the children and I. And I just said, children, I noticed something yesterday. It didn't feel quite right. And when I went home, I had a little think. And I recognised that we were all shouting out at once. And I think we can do better, don't you, children? Because then we can continue learning and we can all have a go at talking. We can't, I can't hear you all at once. And their little faces, yes, Miss Williams. <laughs> but from that point, it just was like a light bulb moment. My lessons going forward 
were were more engaging they were more controlled I felt like I feel like I could do more assessment for learning in the moment and it was recognizing in that moment what went wrong but also having that open conversation with the children because if I just brush it under the carpet they might have thought oh we'll do that again today but it was just being open and honest and that's one thing as well Jeremy that I have learned that I'm open and honest with the children the children know I'm learning I tell them every week what I've learned at university and we have this relationship that we build trust Um, and I try to incorporate that into my lessons for example I've done a science experiment and I had hot water it was lukewarm water but to them it was hot water and I said to them children I've got some hot water that I'm going to bring into the circle now can I trust you are you all going to sit still and they all just said to me yes Miss Williams and they did they sat perfectly still they were almost fine statues and I said see children I knew I could trust you and it's more little comments that you build that trust in the classroom you build that ethos within the setting and I feel like as well when you have that the relationship bond gets stronger and stronger no it does because because trust is is central to every great teacher um if you don't have that then you can't challenge children can you you can't expect extraordinary things from them because if they don't trust you they won't take the risk and if they do trust you they're happy to take any risk I really yeah, like that sorry. point that that point you raised you know about that consistency the consistency of the expectations and uh, and that's one of the I mean it's great that you've learned it so early because it's one of the golden rules of becoming a great teacher make sure the children know what they're going to get every day in terms of the way you behave with them doesn't matter how you are feeling whether you've not had a great night's sleep or there's something going on in your personal life it doesn't matter when you're in that classroom you've got to be consistent because yeah. essential is essential and it's only fair on them it's actually really unfair if you're not consistent because you don't create clear boundaries on how mm. they are meant to behave and you're giving lots of misconceptions yeah we call it ambivalence the children aren't quite sure can I do this or can I do that? And that creates stress for them because yes. they're not quite sure what is okay and what's not okay. And then that, of course, impacts heavily on the learning. So that's a great a great lesson to have learned so early. What else have you learned then? You've done one term of training. What I've should everyone learned... know about in the first term, you must learn these things? When you say learn, I'm going to talk more of an experience. So We learn from our experiences, don't we? It's always... This is this is golden rule for interviews. When they ask you a question, give them something from your experience before you get onto the theory so that the person interviewing you knows that you understand and can apply uh, what you've learned into real situations. Yeah, go on, yes. give us your experience. So my experience sort of day one, meeting my, my mentor, Rianne Fist, absolutely fantastic um, professional. She's an early years lead. And it's building that very first point of meeting her, um, building that relationship at the very at the very set. So 
straight away they informed her of my learning need, but also respecting what she needs. So she makes time for me once a week, and I'm really grateful for that because I can see her busy agenda. But also being flexible, saying, oh, I can see that like, well, you might not be feeling well. Shall we do it a different day? Or can I help you do something? And I think it's just realising that it's a two-way system and it's not all take. You have to give a bit as well and don't expect too much. My mentor is wonderful. She makes time for me. She says, oh, Lucy, give me a text. She sends me uh, podcasts I can listen to. She sends me books I can read. She's wonderful. Um, and I'm so grateful that Essex Skit have linked me up with, with Rianne. Um, I think I've got a friend there for life. Yeah, but- brilliant. Brilliant. And those sorts of professionals, I won't say they're gold dust, because gold dust makes it sound like they're rare, but uh, they're the most precious thing in the world, aren't they? And, uh, and, yeah, and for, a trainee, for a trainee to have someone who's so willing and puts herself out for you is just brilliant. Rianne, we love you. <laughs> yeah, another thing, Jeremy, I've learned as well is scaffolding. So scaffolding the children at um very early age, I mean early years. So scaffolding on a level that you don't give the answer but you've given the right resources the right language to get to them to get to an answer I had a situation where a child was really struggling with their emotions and I implemented a few different strategies some didn't work some did um but the result ended up where he had a little bit of time to himself I then revisited him again and I said to him would you like a cuddle would you like to go for a walk would you like to come and draw a picture And he nodded at drawing a picture. So we sat and drew a picture together and it actually turned into a learning experience. He drew um, a square, he cut it out himself. He drew a circle and he cut it out. And that was a learning experience. So for me, I scaffolded that entire experience for him that turned from a negative to a positive where he was struggling to manage his feelings. But then it, it resulted to learning about cutting, drawing, names of shapes, having good language. And it was wonderful because then... I said to this particular child, go and share it with with the teacher. And it's wonderful. She displayed this piece of work and there was lots of positive reinforcement around how he worked really hard and how he got himself out of a moment that he was struggling with. So that wasn't me telling him what to do. I provided him resources, language of what we could do to help ourselves feel better. Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? That that whole approach. I'm not going to do it for you but I'm going to help you to do it for yourself. I was reading an interesting blog only last night, actually, about how to develop independence in children, that you support the child and model what they can do and and make clear the options they have, and then you support them to do that, and then you allow them to do it for themselves, and then you prompt that in future occurrences, because there will be future occurrences, um, but then you prompt the memory of what they did that time so that they can do it again this time and be able to do more of it for themselves. That's a great example. Really great. Well done. Oh, thank um, you, Jeremy. Yeah. You've <laughs> shown all that experience. You said 18 years working with children. And I thought, cranky, you're so young still, and yet you've done 18 years. It all comes out in this conversation. It's so clear that you've got so many experiences that uh, you can draw on when you're supporting children now. It's really impressive. So what else? Thank you, Jeremy. I suppose I've got a lot to learn yet, though, but I'm ready to take it on. Yeah, good news is... Oh, what else? Good Um, news is you never stop learning. You know, 
you, you learn too, every it? single day. When I was teaching yesterday, there are bits you think, oh, that wasn't so good. And uh, yeah, maybe I won't do it like that next time. And that could be better. And this could be better. And that's the nature Jeremy, of teaching. Can I just stop you there? I yes. witnessed your lesson yesterday and there was absolutely nothing wrong with your lesson. You had us all engaged, all up playing songs with our musical instruments. Please do not <laughs> doubt yourself. <laughs> no, yeah, I wasn't doubting. No, I was doubting myself a little, but not too much. Imposter syndrome, <laughs> draw on the good things. But there are things where endlessly as a teacher, you think I could have done that better for that person. Or in that moment, I could have said something different. And maybe I shouldn't have said that and I should have said that. Because that's the you know, nature of teaching, isn't it? And that, that, yeah, we're that, quite critical. Yeah, well, but but or you might say we're quite evaluative and quite self-critical, and that's not a bad thing as long as you don't demolish yourself. It's useful as long as you say no. Most of that went really well. That little bit there, I could have done a little bit more in that moment, and and that's yes, really yeah. useful, isn't it? Because that's how you keep developing yourself. So, and do you know what, Jeremy, just leading on from that, I'm a strong believer that when one person teaches, two people are learning. And yeah. that's what's happening whilst you're teaching. You're securing that information, aren't you? 100%. That's exactly what you're doing. So tell us something else that you've learnt or experienced or whatever term you want to use. Oh, lovely. Thank you. So I would like to share something as a teacher trainee. So at the very beginning of, of this journey, observations were something that was quite fearful for a lot of us. And um, I've got my head around it very quick that observations is paramount. And you have to realise actually they're there as a tool to make you a better teacher. Don't get me wrong, I do get nervous, but I remind myself, no, observations are in place because I want to be the best version of myself. Um I really welcome any feedback, whether it's positive, negative. In fact, Jeremy, I like to have something to work on because I want to become the best I can be. And I really got my head around the concept of observations at an early point in my journey. I don't want to talk to myself the night before. I don't want to be feeling really, really sick in the moment. Yes, I'm going to have natural nerves, but I actually try and welcome them and be grateful that people give me that time to come in and tell me where I'm going wrong, highlight any problems and try and make me better. Yeah, that, and that's exactly the attitude to have. And as long as the observer is someone like Rianne, who wants the best for you, who is going to identify all the good things you've done and point out some things, the most important things that you could do better, then they're so valuable, aren't they? The only thing they you really don't are. want is someone who says, there's 15 things you've got to improve because um, I remember my first observation ever on teaching practice, my uh, my class teacher said to me, well, that wasn't very good, was it? Right. Oh, okay. Well, that's something to build on then, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and that was it. That was my feedback. And, and then she said, it's got to be better next time. Right. Okay. So I'm six weeks into my teaching career and... Uh, you're expecting me to be like you. I think that's quite tricky, actually. So a little hint in what I ought to do would be useful. Your description would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't. I didn't get it from her, but I wasn't very good as a trainee. So uh, when I see the trainees now, I'm in awe of them, really. They're so good. But uh, but I, I honed my expertise over many years and ended up being good, but it took a bit of time. Right, we've got time for one more thing, Lucy. So uh, 
have a quick have a quick trawl through your experiences. What's one more thing you're going to tell us that uh, is absolutely pivotal to becoming a, a very good trainee teacher and then ultimately a very good qualified teacher? I just like to say, Jeremy, enjoy the moment, enjoy what you do, enjoy them special moments in the classroom, trust your children and love them professionally, show them that you care, that you value them. Um, for me, the children are the most precious things in this world. They are the next generation. And be that positive role model, be there for them and just nurture them and let them let them ask the questions let them explore give them good learning opportunities that they can make the best that they can to society when they're older as well well that's about five things so well done for getting <laughs> for getting all those points in there I'll uh, I'll make sure I write them all down in the blog that goes with the podcast so that uh, so that people don't miss that great list well you've made so many good points during our chat Lucy and and I and I love the fact that that you want to be a unique teacher, and that's come over so clearly in this conversation. There's a great quote from Bette Midler about being unique. She says, "Cherish forever what makes you unique, cause you're really a yawn if it goes." And uh, and that's what children deserve, isn't it? They deserve a teacher who shares their personality with them and who makes their experience in school a unique one for them. I think that's just that's just so important. So well done, because I can see that already just talking to you today, that, um, that, that that's the sort of teacher you're going to be. Because children see right through the teachers who aren't unique, who aren't themselves. And I think making the most of your unique talents is such a good message for everyone. And and you've put that forward so clearly today. So thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for your time today, Jeremy. I've really enjoyed coming on, on your show and having a chat with you. So thank you so much for asking me to join you. I feel yeah, privileged. Great. It's great. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So what now, listeners? Is there something that Lucy has said that resonates with you? There must be. I do hope so. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll keep you updated on what's to come and more on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another thought-provoking educational chat. And Crikey Lucy, today has been thought-provoking. Until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT.